3: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. Other people make friends just trying to make you a little money. My job, not just to entertain, but to teach and explain how days like today can happen. Because holy cow, call me at one 800 cbc or tweet me at Jim Cramer. As much as I appreciate a day where the Dow gains 415 points, s and climbs 1.44%, and the Nasdaq jumps 1.74%, this market is nuts. A month ago, we get this bizarre deposit crisis because some banks didn't invest right, and we prayed that the Fed would stop raising interest rates so rapidly. The news was just bad enough. The loss is just frightening enough that Fed Chief Jay Powell only hit us with a quarter-point rate hike instead of 50 and told us he had to monitor the situation going forward. Inflation seemed quelled. If anything, deflation suddenly became the watchword. The debacle caused many a hedge fund sharpie to go short this market or leave it for the sidelines. Now the whole crisis feels a bit like a distant memory. The only Schwab and First Republic still lingering as risks to the system. And I would argue that Schwab is actually in better shape and has better optionality than people realize. It's profitable. It's got a decent franchise. Nobody is declaring this crisis over, not by any means. It's not with all these unrealized losses, more than $600 billion on the books. But because things have slowed down, everything about this fiasco seems a bit more manageable. Which brings me to... Our game plan for next week, where once again, what's going on? Well, we're back to worrying about a too hot economy and whether the Fed will go back to bring in more pain. That's why on Monday, when we get some manufacturing construction data, the bulls have to hope that we see some sign that things are slowing. This time because of rate hikes, not because of banking issues. I know it's pretty dopey to go from worrying if you can get credit to worrying the business is too good. But that is exactly how binary folks on Wall Street think. Once a financial crisis is off the table, we're back fretting about rate hikes and only rate hikes. Any reading below 50 on these indices might give the Fed some breathing room. Tuesday, we'll find out if the mini-banking crisis is truly over, and then if the economy is defying all attempts to slow it down. Or at least that's what I fear when we see that when I see that Loretta Mester, the president of the Cleveland Fed speaking, to her credit, Mester was early on in noticing that the economy was too hot and inflation too persistent. But she seems reflexively hawkish, which is why I think she'll just keep saying the economy's overheating until we get a serious recession. Mester isn't interesting figure, though she's never cared about the impact of her words on the stock market. I like that, but I don't like that she seems so detached from the day-to-day credit vicissitudes that matter to small business owners who are trying to make a payroll. That would put her more in the real work camp—not real work, camp, not the factual, not the theoretical. Right? We want we want factual, not theoretical. We want her to understand the day-to-day pressures that a person who is trying to meet a payroll faces because of all these issues in the system. They are detached enough for her to make it sound like she's looking at a barn burner of a national economy. That's just not a good read of what's going on. Wednesday, we get results from ConAgra, and if you remember last time, they said they felt confident they were in a good pricing zone after multiple price increases. In short, they made it sound like they might be done hiking prices at the supermarket. We really need to hear that, by the way. we got to hear that they stopped raising prices. But but we also want to hear the volumes are good and the customers seem satisfied, or else the stock won't go higher. Right now, Wall Street loves companies that make their numbers by raising prices and simultaneously losing just a tad of volume, but not enough volume to hurt the results. We need to know if that's the case with ConAgra. Uh, Wouldn't that be terrific for the maker of Slim Jim's? Lots of new kinds, by the way. Bird's Eye, Boom Chicka Pop, and so many other household name brands. Take a look in your pantry, there they are. But it's real bad news when everybody in every industry is raising prices like this at the same time. The market loves individual companies that do this, yet it hates it when everybody does it because that's called inflation. So I can't overstate the importance of some consumer packaged good companies, any of them holding the line on pricing. We're no longer seeing wholesale costs of goods rising rapidly and we have transportation costs actually coming down, what a gift it would be for simply for Conagra to say, you know what, consumers, we're giving you a break. Did that happen? Wouldn't that be something? Sometimes stocks tell you how things are going to play out ahead of time if you're a stock whisperer the way I am, which is why I'm concerned about the stock of Constellation Brands and what, uh, what it has to say when the liquor and beer company reports on th- on Thursday. Now, this stock's been acting suboptimally even on good days like today when still one more analyst raised their price target and it meant nearly nothing. How can that be? You might wonder when Modelo and Corona are both responsible for most of the growth in the beer category, but beers a fair weather friend and the weather's been in rainy in some constellations crucial markets that must explain some of this bruising under performance no matter this company has gigantic cash flow that's why I've always liked it and I'm convinced you have to own it even if times get tough I am a believer long-term even if this quarter misses you know so we've got all these different uh, earnings but you know what yeah, it's such a quiet week. It's odd that we also have two of the biggest analyst meetings of the year on one day. Walmart and FedEx speak Wednesday. I bet both are going to be terrific with some very high bar set. I expect Doug McMillan, CEO of Walmart, will say that his e-commerce strategy remains the same. He's keeping Walmart uh, in the race, low-cost solution for food, not Amazon. They need Whole Foods all over the place. to go to beat Walmart. For me, though, the one to own is FedEx, where I think that CEO Raj Subramanian has already distinguished himself as a winner. See that stock trade? See where that stock's going? I'm saying it could go up another 50 points. That's how good that company is now. Hey, you know what's the hottest food stock there? There is. This is a funny one, obviously. Ross, I wouldn't set it up like that. I say it's a company that's seeing possibility in potatoes. Well, that's like those potato eyes like your mom would cut out and you'd plant them. Not it's kind of agra spin-off, Lamb Weston, which makes all sorts of potatoes, fries, sweet potatoes, waffles, skin, cube, and more. Okay, not the stuff in Michelin, three stars, I get that. But whoever said there's accounting for taste? The company, which was valued at $6.6 6 when it was spun off six years ago, is now almost the same size as its $17.8 former parent. I always like listening to them. Who doesn't want to make money off of spuds? Also on Thursday, we hear from Levi Strauss. Oh, this is quizzical. We know the apparel categories come alive with pleasure lately with a smashing number from Lululemon, excellent results from Ralph Lauren and PVH. Where will Levi Strauss fit in? I think there's the makings of the other winners in the category. But these others are so much easier to own, especially LULU, which I'm betting will have multiple years, not quarters, of strong growth. I really thought Lulu's CEO, Calvin McDonald, did a great job on Squawking the Street when I interviewed him the other day with Carl. It was right after that blowout quarter. Boy, oh boy, do I think that stock is going higher. You want a realistic view of what needs to be done with this company, Uh, well, uh, with this economy? We're going to get it from this man. I like listening to the mellifluous James Bullard, the president of St. Louis Fed. He's a treat because he's not dogmatic. He'll give us a live update about the impact of the Silicon Valley bank failure on the U.S. economy. He's self-critical. He's self-effacing. He's my kind of guy. Finally, the market's closed for Good Friday, but the Labor Department is still going to release its monthly non-farm payroll numbers. Amazingly, I believe that March will show that wages held about the same. But it is possible that the economy is still expanding at a pace that's creating more jobs than we think and that may make J PAL uncomfortable. Given that we are again focused on the economy being too hot, we might not be too happy with what we see. Bottom line, if the banking situation is more or less resolved, it's back to being terrified of an overheated economy that triggers more rate hikes. So that's what you need to keep an eye on next week and the week after that, and the week after that, we get the picture. But meanwhile, what a quarter Hey, take that, you noisome bears. Kurt in Illinois. Kurt. Hey, Kurt from Illinois. How are you? Hey, Kurt. What's going on, man? First time long time and a club member. Yes. Going to be retiring
2: very soon. Looking for a high yield stock for income. Does Blackstone fit the bill?
3: Yes, it does. Jonathan Gray, who is a remarkable, uh, just a money magician, is out there just making money for you every day. 4.4% yield. I think he's 4.1% yield. I think that's just a great choice. And I hope you enjoy retirement. Should be a great time for you. Let's go to Brian in Illinois. Brian. Brian in Oregon, but that's okay. Hey, longtime club member, and I want to make a shout out to Jeff Marks. My bit. Oh, my God, Jeff Marks is so good. I apologize. I saw that Oregon. I missed it. Yeah, Jeff is fantastic. Yesterday he fell off a ledge. Don't worry, he Just it just hurt his knee. Nothing more than that. But it was a long day. What's going on? Hey, let's get to work. This company has leveraged defense, and there's still a war going on, unfortunately. In November last year, they announced a stock buyback and a new dividend, and yet the price has been going down ever since. What are your thoughts on L3 Harris, LHX? Uh, You know what? You're absolutely right. It's not getting the respect. I think the merger uh, was a good one initially. Now people decide they don't like it. But I have to tell you, I do favor Lockheed Martin if I'm going to be uh, in that cohort. And I will thank Jeff. I'm just joking around. Jeff sits next to me. and We sit in this very little office, and we just sit there, and we have a great time. But we do work nonstop. And uh, I'm so glad he's getting the recognition he deserves because he is just a terrific, terrific guy. Six years now with me. Six years, Sonny in Illinois. Sonny, hey Jim, a big investment club, booyah! From your longtime fan, Sonny in Chicago. Ah, thank you, Sonny. Thank you. I I see you at Biddy's when I was signing out the the, the phosphor bottles there for the wife. What's (laughs) happening?
2: (laughs) Happy Friday, partner. You know the drill. (laughs) So uh, I'm interested in the company that. I think can benefit from all this talk about banning TikTok. You know, your your I think, what are they, Chinese people or something? TikTok? And uh, yeah, the company yeah, I'm yeah. interested in, they got 375 million active users. It's Snapchat. So I'm wondering, what do you think about the growth potential of Snapchat? You and know, you look, think they, they, they've like never Neto been able to...
3: You know, Sonny, look, you and I are kindred spirits. i got to tell the truth about the Snap. I, I They do have all those users, but they've not been able to make a lot of money off of it. And I'm sticking with my belief... That chapel Trust name, uh, it, look, it's it's Meta. It, that's the winner. I'm not sure they're going to get the TikTok win anymore. They're going to get the win from being efficient. It is, after all, the year of efficiency at Meta. All right, look, we got a big week ahead. But meanwhile, what a quarter. Take that, Bears. Sets it up tonight, the Humanization Pets team hit him peak during COVID, so where's the where's the stand now, I like the thesis but I'm going to give you my take, with lots of really terrific pictures of all our dogs and cats behind us, uh, and uh, we're also playing Kramer fabe am I diversified, to see if your portfolio has what it takes to withstand whatever this market throws at it. and believe me, since we're now plus six on the oscillator, we're going to get some some stuff that we're not going to like and you call it in, you stop me on volunteer and in mode, so I did the work and I'm returning at my, I'm turning in my homework and there's some things about these two stocks that I like very much. So stay with Kramer.
2: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag MadTweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com. Or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
0: Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how VivGart, FGart Tigamod, Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com slash MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot slash MOA.
1: Brought to you by Argenix.
0: When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed.
3: We keep hearing about the COVID hangover. We just don't do things like we did during lockdown. Some are easy to spot. Obviously, we aren't taking as many at-home COVID tests anymore. Sorry, Abbott Labs, buy next later. We're certainly buying fewer personal computers, as PC sales fell 37% post-pandemic. Yeah, it's the worst decline in history. Generally, we stop spending crazily on our homes and started using our money to go out and enjoy life, at least as best as we know how. That's why I like to say we're in a long-on-money, short-on-time mode that encourages travel over video games or home theaters or other pedestrian indoor diversions. Even consumers are starting to spend beyond their savings. They still prefer to use that money on travel and leisure. But what about pets? Where do pets fit in, specifically, spending on pets, which boomed during the pandemic. Before COVID, the humanization of pets concept had become an enduring one, a real bull theme. We went from having animals first in the basement, then to the bedroom, and then only in the bed itself. Money seemed no object when it came to taking care of these. Virtually everything pet related made fortunes for investors, and companies crowded into the category to take advantage of it. But now people are beginning to wonder if pets have become subtle casualties of the long money, short on time story. When you're stuck working from home, you're with your pets all the time. Boy, it's easy to spoil. Now, though, with people going out more, I think pets are getting fewer resources. If you're out traveling overseas, your pets aren't getting doted on as much anymore. I think the humanization of pet thesis is still in play. But it is definitively weaker than it used to be. So what do we do with all these stocks? How do we balance, say, the cohort of J.M., Smucker, and General Mills, both of which make pet food? How about Petco and Chewy, which are pure plays? I like to keep things simple. If you like the pet theme and you don't want to take a lot of risks, then what you do, you buy General Mills. This longtime safety stock had been one of the most boring, unaggressive enterprises around for years. Just basically floundering with a decent portfolio of wolf and shuffled brands that generate a ton of cash, gave you a good buyback, nice dividend. We used to say that with its core cereal business, no one ever went wrong buying the stock of General Mills, except for we called it Generous Mills back then. Well, and then seven years ago, Mills picked a new CEO, Jeff Harmony, and he broke form. Some would say he went for broke, shelling out $8 billion for Blue Buffalo, the most natural of the higher-end pet food brands. The acquisition shocked Wall Street, and it instantly was hailed as a colossal overpay.
2: The House of Pay. Especially
3: because General Mills, which had been a consistent buyer of its stock all the way up, suddenly had to issue some stock to pay for the deal all the way down. Mills fell from $60 to $36, and a lot of faith was lost in what was previously known as a widows and orphans story. When we look back now, though, and we realize that Harmony, he, he was a visionary, a downright visionary. He's someone who saved General Mills from packaged goods oblivion with this Blue Buffalo acquisition. While the pet segment isn't the biggest, it became the growth engine for the stock that's beloved by Wall Street. And it was instrumental in Mills putting up the best numbers in the quarter of any consumer packaged goods company, aside, say, from Hershey. Blue Buffalo had 14% organic sales growth with actually accelerating growth from the previous quarter, driven by higher prices and higher volume. No post-COVID hangover there. With a 2.5% yield and some classic brands on top of that, I think General Mills is a good one, especially as the stock's less than three points off its high. Great safety name if you're worried about the economy, too. And then there's Smucker, a packaged food company with a pet food kicker. Although their pet food business was always seen as a second tier at best. But Meow Mix, not exactly gourmet cat food. Then, though, then though what they did was they, this was brilliant. They doubled down, not just on pet food. No, they went niche. They went snack Pet food. That's right. Think Milk Bone, which is kind of like fruit of the industry. I think sparker can work its way higher, too, although I wouldn't recommend it if not for the strength of his coffee and peanut butter brands. Another good safety play with a pet food kicker. Remember, they are into pet snacking. But what about the pure plays in the humanization of pets? What about Petco and Chewy? They have become two of the most controversial stocks in the entire market. Petco came public at $18 in January of 2021, the heyday of Pet Pride. The stock immediately traded up to $31, but it never sold those levels again. It now languishes at 9 bucks. What a come down! Does the stock of Petco deserve this treatment? Not if you look at that last quarter, where same-store sales grew by 5% year-over-year. Not bad. With many numbers significantly above expectations. Gross profit, though, eh, fourth quarter, down 1% in the fourth quarter. Mm -mm. Gross margin, even worse. Down 220 basis points to 39.8 year-over-year. Although some of that's because of mix-shift and transitory issues. On the other hand, PECO's cash flow was up 96% year over year, and management crows about having a strong liquidity position. But au contraire, mon frere, here's the problem. The stock, which is affectionately known as by its symbol, woof, was a private equity deal. Many of its previous private equity owners loaded the company up with debt, then foisted the stock on the public with an IPO. This was the third time Petco's come public. Come on! And frankly, it's still got way too much debt. This is a $2.3 billion company with $4.2 billion in total liabilities. In an environment where we're worried about the access to credit? Petco's untouchable. The actual performance of the business is just fine, but the ugly balance sheet makes me think that the stock will continue to just slip away. I always say you should stay away from these private equity backed IPOs until the companies have been able to pay down a decent amount of debt. is just not there yet and it 's pay- paying it down in dribs and drabs because the markets suddenly got a lot more br- brutal right after they came public. They never got the chance to offload more stock and buy back debt now the toughest call in the group the one that the one that is always confounded me because I like the company so much personally, is Chewy. This is a beloved e-commerce play with the best website, really good brands, much great breadth of band, strongest loyalty program in the industry. But as Deutsche Bank recently wrote in a caustic piece, Chewy Faces, and I quote, tepid in user growth environment with an investment year on deck, end quote, which then say adds, quote, too much numbers risk for one of the most expensive names in our coverage, end quote. Oh, that's all I care about. The analysts there downgraded the stock from buy to hold because it sells for 35 times next year's EBITDA. They have to use earnings for interest taxes, depreciation, and amortization because Chewy's barely expected to break even next year if you use the pure earnings per share numbers. Two years ago, that would have been fine, right? Valuation would have been justifiable, but now the market only wants profitable growth, not growth at any cost. Chewy, as loved as it is by users, didn't pivot to profitability soon enough, which is why I simply can't endorse it here. Bottom line, the humanization of pets, it's still a solid thesis, but it's no longer the kind of rising tide that can lift all boats. Now you have to be more selective with the pet place, which is why I'm willing to endorse General Mills or even Smucker. But I can't be bothered with the much higher risk Petco or Chewy. have Money is back after the break.
2: Coming up, survive the unknowns. Thrive in any market. Kramer invites you to The Game of Games. Play Am I Diversified next.
1: I
0: won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me.
1: Emerge as you
3: In the wake of the recent banking crisis, the market's been all over the place. But with this week's recent beautiful rally, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. And this time it's not an oncoming train. I always believe the best time to reassess your holdings is when things are going well. So you can take some losses if you have to you make some moves. So that's why I can't replay my Diversify. This is where you call me, you tell me what your top five holdings are. I tell you whether your portfolio is diverse or enough. Maybe you need a little mix it up. Our first question tonight is from Jason. It's in a tweet. Jason says, a Wisconsin Cheesehead Booyah, and that must mean he's a Green Bay fan. Jim, my top five holdings are Apple, Applied Materials, bristol Myers, Procter & Gamble, and Verizon M. All right, diversified. All right, let's look at this. Okay, listen to me, Cheesehead. You are not diversified. Why? Because... Procter happens to trade with Bristol Myers. We're going to get rid of Bristol Myers because we own Procter for the Chapel Trust, and it is just kicking butt. And what we're going to add right here, I'm willing to do it. Let's do, let's add you, man. It's been down a couple centers, don't seem to like it. Healthcare, another Chapel Trust name. Verizon don't really care for it. It's not really doing anything. I would switch to T-Mobile, but you probably like dividends. Apple own it, don't trade it. Applied Materials, no. We're going to if we want to be in the, into that business, we want to be in Lamb Research, better run company. Make those moves. Make those moves. Monday. All right. Next, we have a video from Michael in California. Michael's got a message. Michael,
2: hello, Mr. Kramer from Castro Valley, California. I'm Michael. My top five holdings are CVS, Chevron, Cisco, Lowe's, and Morgan Stanley. Am I diversified?
3: Wow. This is going to actually prove to be difficult. I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, Chevron, the oil giant, that is very, very easy, right? Uh, Lowe's, very good big box retailer. We know we like that. Morgan Stanley, uh, excellent financial. Cisco, this is Morgan Stanley's Travel Trust name. Cisco is a tech name the Travel Trust. The problem is CVS Health. They're trying to switch to become a healthcare company from a drugstore company. And I just think that the transition is too hard for them. So we're going to go far afield. And what we're going to do is we're going to say that you should own E-Lie Lilly because of the new – The anti-diabetes, anti-obesity drug. That will make a very good change and give you a little life for this portfolio. All right, let's go to uh, Amanda in Louisiana. Amanda.
0: Booyah, Jim. This is Amanda from Louisiana. Third time caller. Been watching you since 2001. Calling you from under a magnolia tree. It's uprooted itself since the last hurricane. And my diversified Bristol-Myers, Halliburton, NVIDIA, Microsoft, and Palo Alto Network security. Okay, Sugar
3: Magnolia, let's take a look at this one. Oh, what do we got? All right, so Microsoft, I was just talking to my friend, buddy, pal, Jeff Marks. What a kick-butt situation going on there. And that's ChatGPT. Speaking of ChatGPT, we are going to let this go. Even though they do overlap. Why? Because I have already committed to NVIDIA, uh, uh, own, don't trade, so I can't go back on it. Bristol Myers, yes, the drug company. I also want to switch that out. I'm going to put in Eli Lilly. Palo Alto, five years to cash her roar. What has he done other than min- money? Fantastic cybersecurity. And Halliburton, little down. luck. Like we own them. We own this too for Travel Trust. I think Halliburton is a double buy right here. It's come all the way down from 41 to 31, even though their quarter was amazing. And let's take. Uh, Eric in Tennessee, Eric! Hi Jim,
0: this is Eric from Tennessee. My five stocks are DKS, Dix, H-S-Y, Hershey, UNH, United Healthcare, DVN, Devon, and WM, Waste Management. Am I diversified? Thanks, Jim.
3: Wow, I'm in all of this portfolio. This is some really good work here. Okay, Devin, we know that we're a little down on it right now because they missed the quarter, but oil and gas, United Health, a very very sophisticated health insurer, fantastic job. Uh, Dix had a blowout, I mean, talk about blowout quarter, end-all blowout quarter retailers. Waste Management, I like that action above 160, it looks pretty good. And then Hershey, amazing. Alm, Hershey and General Mills, one and one. They are fighting each other for the king of consumer packaged goods. We've got a consumer packaged goods. We've got an industrial waste company. We've got a great retailer. We've got an oil company. And... A superior health care insurance coming. It's perfect. There's nothing to do there whatsoever. Let's go to Steve in Wyoming. Steve,
2: good afternoon, uh, Jim. This is Steve from Wyoming, and my five stocks are RPM International, Dominion Energy, Kimberly Clark, Johnson and Johnson, and Mondelez. Jim, am I diversified?
3: Thanks. We met. We may have some work to do here. All right, Kimberly Clark. But now in Texas, by the way. All right, we'll let it, let it stay for now. Just keep keep it in mind, it's consumer packaged goods. RPM reports this week. I expect a good quarter to uh, oil. I mean, it's a, a chemical company. Frank Ritz does a really good job covering. It if you want to know more about that, Dominion, good utility. Johnson Johnson. I, the the tal cases are just weighing on me, but I'm sticking with J and J and the yield safe, and it is only one of two triple A balance sheet companies in the SP 500. And Mongolese is food. Okay, where's my problem? Here then, all right. Well, I've got to tell you, believe it or not, all three of these trade together because they're consumer packaged goods plays. But we're going to keep it why? Because Kimberly's got a good yield. Mondelez had a good quarter. I like that yield. J and There's, I love the yield coming. Can you feel the yield come from this portfolio? Can you feel the dividend income? I can. If you can't, I say, I say, wake up and smell the coffee. All right. Let's go to lastly. Oh no, that's the. That's not last. It's Don. Lastly, we have Don in Illinois. I thought we had Don and lastly, Illinois. Lastly, we have Don in Illinois. Don.
2: Jim, this is Don from Illinois. Thanks for taking my call. Am I diversified? My five holdings are Avi, Procter & Gamble, Microsoft, Deer, and Triton Energy, TRTN. Jim, am I diversified? Thank you.
3: This is another really, oh, oh, Triton's his. Okay, Oregon, this is a very controversial story. Uh, This is a high-spec chemical company, so high-spec that I don't even know if it belongs in the portfolio. But I'm always saying you can have one spec, I'm going to let that be. But I can't have two specs, and that's Triton. So we're going to get rid of Triton right here, right now. Okay, I mean like vanish, and we're going to put in Pioneer. John Deere is John Deere is one that I regret so much that we don't own for the Travel trust. I think this got it's got 500 written all over it. the good yield. We know that and Microsoft. What are we going to say other than this, the best, the best? Uh, we have can, we have tech, we have drug, we have industrial, we have spec, notice I said that, and we have oil. Well played to all of our contestants. Lastly, was my favorite one, just so you know. And by the way, someone said I was the one since 2021. I hadn't even been born then, so I'm questioning the veracity of that comment. Man, money's back back after the break.
2: Coming up, Kramer's done his homework to give you a leg up on the stocks you want to know. And the assignment is due. Next.
3: Whenever you ask about a stock I don't know or haven't been following closely, I tell you I need to do more research. I promise to report back with a more informed opinion. This, the whole point of the show is to help you become a better investor, and I can't do that without addressing your questions. So let's take care of some homework. First up, a little over a month ago, Tyler in California asked me about a company called VonTier, which is a mid-cap industrial technology company that I really wasn't familiar with. It turns out Vontier's is a spinoff of a spinoff. In late 2020, it was spun out of Fordiv, and Fordiv itself had been spun out of Kramer fave trust named Danaher back in 2016. See, Fordiv had a faster-growing transportation and mobility-focused business, so they decided to split it into a separate company in a bid to create more value for shareholders. That's the old Danaher way. What exactly does VonTier do? Nearly half of their sales come from their environmental and fueling solutions division, which makes fueling hardware and software. A lot of gas station exposure here. Then they've got a mobility technologies business where they make a point-of-sale point and payment systems begin for gas stations and convenience stores, as well as fleet telematics tools, workflow automation solutions, and data analytics for electric vehicle charging networks. Not bad. The rest of my business comes from auto repair tools and equipment. Conveniently, the company hosted an day, d- investor day, uh, just last Thursday, and I think they told a pretty darn good story. In the final months of 2020, immediately after the spin-off from Ford, management initiated a series of profitable growth strategies. In 2021 and 2022, they cut costs... by using the business optimization strategy they inherited from Danner. And nobody's better at this stuff than Danner. I can't believe Danner's languish, languishing down here in the 240s, 250s. That's a buy, I think he's as good as the 300. Now, now that they've gotten their house in order, Vontier says their mobile te- mobility technology business, which has much more exposure to electric vehicles, can grow at a high single-digit clip, while the larger environmental and fueling solutions division can grow by low single digits. They expect the other operating segment, Repair Solutions, to split the difference and grow at a mid-single-digit rate. Hey, broadly speaking, though, Volunteer is trying to gradually reduce his exposure to internal combustion engine vehicles while continuing to increase his exposure to electric. Smart plan, right? Sure, Volunteer may not be the sexiest stock in the world. But it's a good, solid industrial company with decent growth and quality management that plans to keep expanding margins. They say they can get their operating margins up another 150 basis points over the next three years. All told, they're talking about double-digit earnings growth. Doesn't hurt that last year our government passed all sorts of new subsidies for anything connected to electric vehicles. I think that's going to work to Vontiers. Uh, really, it's going to, it's going to play right into their, in their game plan. Now, I, I, the one problem here is that I think you already missed an incredible gain right? It was a great buying opportunity. The stock had plunged from 37 at the peak in the fall of 2021 all the way down to 16 and change in past September. Since then, it's recovered to 27. But you know what? Even at these levels, the thing sells for less than 10 times this year's earnings forecast. That's intriguing to me. Certainly after that investor day last week, I think Von deserves a higher price earnings multiple. Let me put it this way. Von was spun up by Ford a few years ago because Ford was undervalued. The division wasn't getting enough credit. Now, though, Ford sells for 20 times earnings, while Volunteer sells for less than 10 times earnings. I'm not necessarily saying the stock deserves a double, but it is cheap. I like the call, and I thank. Uh, all our viewers for ideas like Vontier. I should have known this one. Now, next up, last night, Betsy in California joked that she had called me on another stock we made a lot of money on. It's called InMed, uh, InMode, and it's absolutely true. InMode, medical device play that I've recommended in the past. InMode uses radio frequency technology for minimally invasive cosmetic surgery, especially as an alternative to, to liposuction, although they've got exposure to all sorts of plastic surgery, dermatology, eye care, and women's health. This is the kind of growth stock that's been killed since the peak into late 2021. It's lost two thirds of its value since then, and that's after bouncing pretty hard off its lows. Doesn't help that Inmode's growth slowed substantially last year, and is expected to keep decelerating. Lately, it's become a bit of a battleground. In February, Needham downgraded Inmode as part of a broader bearish call on medical aesthetics. They found the customers are reducing their spending on these new procedures. However, just two days ago, UBS initiated coverage from InMode with a buy rating and a $40 price target, up nearly 8 bucks from here. UBS expects the post-COVID plastic surgery boom to continue, which is the polar opposite of what we heard from Needham. Now, personally, I'm less concerned about the current state of plastic surgery business and more concerned about other issues, longer-term issues. You never hear about this, ma- this from management, but remember that InMode's main business is an alternative to liposuction, a suction, that's minimally invasive weight loss surgery, yet if there wherever a business that I'd be most worried about, I think it's this one. Why? Because of this new class of diabetes drugs that can double as weight loss pills, like the one from investing club stalwart Eli Lilly. If people end up losing lots of weight from these, from these drugs, right now it's just a shot right here, you got to figure there would be less demand for in-modes devices. Even minimally invasive surgery seems a lot less appealing than a drug with few side effects, right? That said, I also wonder if that threat's getting baked in here. Because at these levels, InMode sells at an astonishing low 12 times earnings. Uh, Seems crazy cheap to me. At its peak in late 2021, InMode was trading at 50 times earnings. I know the whole group's going out of style, and yes, indeed, the Wall Street Fashion Show. But since then, something like Intuitive Surgical still sells for 48 times earnings. Evers Life Sciences, ooh, hard times there, 32 times earnings. I'm not sure why InMode's getting much, much lower multiple, but to me, it does seem too cheap to ignore. Let's put it in that category. One last point. InMode's profitable. It's got no debt. So if the stock can't get any respect going forward, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised or shocked if it gets snapped up by a larger medical technology firm, even if medical aesthetics has certainly hit a speed bump. Bottom line, sometimes listening to your calls gives us good ideas. Tonight, we got two of them because I think Frontier and Inmode are both solid businesses with stocks that are simply too low, given the strength of their balance sheet and the fundamentals. Man Money's back after the break. Coming up. What's in your
2: mind, Craymerica? Give us a call. The lightning round is storming the NYSE. Next.
3: It is time to set the lightning round, Chris and Brad. Sweet calls by first, Sidney and Stark. I tell you, bye bye bye. But to be going to the course, Stark We stand for you. You'll and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet? Time for the lightning round. We're going to start with Mike in Ohio. Mike. oh yeah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of um, course, I'm Mike. What's I'm shaking? days, uh, are kudlow days, and I appreciate Well, that man, idea. that's 47 years ago, but it hangs in. It's just fresh as the day it was canned. What's happening? Um, I have a question about CAR. Most of us would agree that uh, travel is still going strong. On a yeah, day, but if we like not... C.R., we love Hurts because Steve Schur used to be used to run uh, He's Goldman Sachs CFO, you know, and now he's running Hurts. So I'm going to have to take that one over. But I like your thesis because we are long on money and short on time. Let's go to Frank and Matt Frank. Hey, Jim, big booyah. Love your show. Lots of good advice from you and the CEO you have on. And uh shout out to your uh, Philly teams and our Boston teams. My stock is doing a 200 million share buyback over two years. They bought 41 million so far. They're just uh, partnered with Google AI Cloud that I own. And the ticker symbol is VRNT. Should I hold, sell, or add more? Uh, no, I, I want you to hold it. I can't uh, push it right here because it's it's not an inexpensive stock. Everything you described is right. And it's a good call. Let's go ahead to John in Florida. John. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, John. So after the recent Silicon
2: Valley bank incident, on Wednesday you made a recommendation to buy technology companies with strong cash
3: reserves. And considering yes. that cash-rich companies tend to bleed faster, in an inflationary environment, compared to those that hold hard assets, and Bitcoin's motto is, you know,
2: be your own bank, would you suggest investing in MicroStrategy and their Bitcoin reserve? No, I would,
3: be, I would prefer to actually invest in Bitcoin. Uh, I want you to put it in a place where you won't wake up and find out it's not there. That's a little bit harder to find, but I prefer you to own the actual. Let's go to John in Big Mo, Missouri. John. Hey, Kramer. I want to thank yeah, you John. and your team for everything you do for this home. My team is already. smart as a whip. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you about Amphenol. I've had it for. You know, look, I, I, years. look I, I happen to like these fiber coaxial cables. I've always had a thing for them. You're absolutely right. I think that stock's a winner. Let's go to Jer in Arkansas. Jer. Kim, what's your take on 3M? 3M's got too much litigation risk. They go up P PFAS and they got combat arms, which is 10 distances. I have 10, distances. I can tell you, that is one, one nasty situation. Let's go to Matt Minnesota. Matt. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Matt. Want to, know what you, want to know what you think of a
2: stock with a PE of six, a juicy dividend, of 12 and a half? What do you think of Camping World?
3: I don't understand how they can offer that big a deal without there being some concern. Uh, it does worry me because I do like the stock. I like the, I like Cabela's, too. But the yield always tells me when it's that big that you have to have a bit of a, let's say, yellow flag, if not a red flag. Let's go to Lily in Texas. Lily. Hi, Kramer. Thank you for all
0: your help. Love your show. Awesome. I have medical Thank you, property trust
3: mpw that, that company's it's been peak. downgraded it was quite another downgrade today yield 14 once again when you're reaching for yield like that it says to me there's something could be wrong that's not a yellow flag that's an outright red flag let's go to dave of my homestead of pennsylvania dave hey jim dave Pittsburgh. big booyah good to see it dave what's happening All right, my question is for Freyer Battery, symbol F-R-E-Y. We don't recommend stocks that are losing money on Kramer's Bad Money because it's just too dangerous at this very moment. Even as we had a very bullish end of the quarter, I don't want to be recommending stocks with the oscillator up six that have bad balance sheets. Let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark. Dr. Kramer, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. I currently... uh, own this stock, looking to add more. It's Roger Federer Shoe Company, ticker symbol ON, I'd appreciate You know, I was talking thought. to a real sweet guest. 16 year old kid there came in, nice guy, nice fella. And I told him, I said, listen, I know you like Nike, but I think you should like ON. He seemed to recognize that ON is a good name. I am with him. I was almost thinking about putting that in the bullpen for the what? Travel Trust. That's how much I think that ON is a buy. But instead, we bought Foot Locker. Mary Dillon knows it. Look what she did to Olten. People are not giving her the credit that they will when this stops at 80. You mark my words. Let's go to Rod in South South Dakota. Rod. Hey, buddy. Thanks for taking my call. I'm I'm humbled and honored. I got a buddy of mine that we watch your show all the time, John and I, and we invest. He says that I should not continue to invest in Bank Banco Bolivia. Venezuela, Argentina, I think it's growth and income but you got to tell me who's right, who's wrong. Thank you. I am telling you, I want you to go ka-ching, ka-ching, to that one and go run into Banco Santander because that, and they just reaffirmed their numbers. Uh, look, this is Ann This is the best bank in Europe. Spain is taking over. They are the ones. It's at $3 and change. I say go all in. Santander! And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the longest ever lightning round!
2: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TDM Ameritrade. Coming up, party like it's 1989? Kramer shares an old lesson that still holds up today. Next...
3: market's not supposed to go up. There's turmoil in so many places. The dollar's too strong. Earnings are peaking. Recession beckons. We've got to go short, not long. And we'll crush it because we've seen this movie before. We know it ends. No, I'm not talking about right now. That's the position I took 34 years ago when I had my old hedge fund. Oh, I had met with the smartest people, touched bases with the best strategists. I'd done my homework on current events. I thought I was the smartest man in the room. And like many of the bears you read or hear about this quarter, I couldn't have been more wrong. I was overrun by events, and my top-down thesis kept me from spotting some amazing trends. Amazing trends that could have made my hedge fund fortunes, like the coming of the personal computer, the creation of biotech, the revolution that was the managed care industry. Every one of these trends eluded me at first, and I paid the price by flubbing the quarter. A great quarter that ended up just exactly like this one. And I learned a valuable lesson back then. See, there's a craft to this business, and it doesn't include sweeping generalizations about what will happen to the entire market by theorists and economists who really should know better. The craft's all about figuring out what will happen to individual companies, unless something's so horrible that it impacts them directly, like a credit crisis did to the regional banks, which fell 25% on average this quarter. Now, I wasn't being lazy back then. I was willing to pull the annuals, attend meetings, learn the stories. But I was arrogant. I had the hubris to believe I could figure out the whole market by examining broad economic TV's and economic data, just like how people today say we're doomed to have a recession because of the inverted yield curve. Real bad bet this quarter, wasn't it? The big difference between me and them, when I realized I was wrong 34 years ago, I changed course. Right now, though, most of the people who hated this market because of the mini banking crisis or the Fed's aggressive, aggressive rate hikes, they still hate it. And worse, they don't think it even matters that they've been wrong. <laughs> They're almost proud of their ineptitude. You should always be willing to change your mind, though, and you should never take pride in being wrong. If you didn't like Meta or Apple or NVIDIA lately, you don't, you don't have the right to say their gains don't matter. What will matter is the coming recession. No, you've lost those bragging rights. It matters. And, man, as I explained last night in my Nestle's Credit Crunch search, I can't see the recession yet. What the heck happened that we now live in a world where so many strategists and money managers don't seem to care about the hunt for winning stocks to try to help you make money? couple of reasons. First, most portfolio managers don't want to stray too far from the major average. That's how you get fired. Nobody minds if you're wrong when everybody else is wrong, but if you end up being wrong and everyone's right, you're toast. So these guys just try to underweight or overweight some select sectors. They're managing their jobs. Second, these days, they get more credit for having a particular worldview than actually making money. Third, they have the luxury of missing one of the best quarters in ages because for the most part, and this is the real secret, they're already very rich. I bridle over this because I am forever back in 1989 or back in 1979 when I was living in my car. I choose to miss an amazing run because I didn't want to get my hands dirty. I stayed above the micro fray. What a fool I was. See, I make my share mistakes, have for years. But the one thing I always do is try. And that means doing the homework, practicing the craft. It's my job. It's also the job of all the people who rail against the market. The difference, I choose to accept the job. They pretend not to have it. It's too risky for their reputations to admit they got it wrong. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday. Last call starts now.
0: I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me.
1: Emerge as you.